It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss, a business visionary, and welcome to Toronto's Podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network your source of great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Today, we are meeting with Rebecca Southerns, a professional facilitator and collaborative strategist who helps mission-driven leaders and teams make wiser decisions faster. So welcome, Rebecca. Nice to meet you. Thanks very much, Philip. So let's sort of fire into things. How did you actually get started? You know, tell me a little bit how you became an entrepreneur and your journey to get where you are now. Um, it really started in a sense by accident. Uh, I was, um, I had quit my job. I was home with our first baby, uh, had, was going back to graduate school. And, uh, in the midst of that, people started calling me and asking me to do stuff, uh, contracts, projects, little things here and there. And over the course of those next years, while I finished my PhD, we had another baby. I was, you know, juggling other things those calls continued. And really my filter for those projects was, wow, I can't believe somebody will pay me to use my brain while I'm doing these other things with my babies. And also, can I fit it into my busy calendar? And those were really my two filters for a really long time. And I didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur. I didn't think of myself as a business owner. I barely thought of myself as a private sector entity at all in the sense that my main client base, even back then, and now this is 23 years ago, was mostly in the nonprofit sector, community benefit space. And so I would spend a lot of time with social agencies. And I don't know that I would have thought of myself as a social agency, but I didn't really think of myself as a private business either, although in fact I was. And so I think what's shifted over that time is really a mindset of gradually in some ways and suddenly in others, seeing myself as a as an entrepreneur, thinking of myself as a business owner, developing business strategy when what really started out as a side project or freelancing or contracting has evolved into um, more than a full-time gig. Okay. Um, Just for everyone, what does your company do exactly? Yeah, my company uh, is called Sage Solutions, and we facilitate uh, group processes, group collaborative planning, basically. And so what that looks like in real life is um, strategic planning for community agencies for health organizations, universities, educational institutions of various kinds, uh, municipalities. So I help groups make better decisions together, whether that's a public meeting or a series of strategy meetings, policy input, that kind of stuff. That probably represents uh, 70% of the consulting side of my business. I also do stakeholder engagement, getting people's opinions into things, whether that's into strategy or policy. And I do governance work with boards and team effectiveness with boards and leadership teams. The other maybe 20% of what I do is teaching all of that. So I teach at universities and colleges and I teach privately workshops on facilitation skills, conflict management, community engagement, that kind of thing. Uh, you, you work and live, I think, in the Kitchener, Waterloo, Guelph, <laughs> I guess Cambridge kind of area. Let's okay. call it Southwestern Ontario. What are the benefits of doing business down there, say, versus Toronto or, or other parts, basically? Um, when you go to drive somewhere, you know how long it will take. <laughs> um, 
that's my favorite part. Uh, it's small enough that the, um, in my sector anyway, in that nonprofit space and public sector space, it's big enough to be doing innovative things and small enough to run into people, you know, so I won't necessarily know everyone at every meeting, but I'll know many. And, um, and so there are overlapping networks and it's small enough for that, Mm -hmm. but big enough for the innovation that I find interesting. So it's got all the benefits of a, of a small region, small city, or a combination of small cities, but aggregated those and, and in a culturally uh, Guelph in particular, although not only Guelph is, um, is innovative, is going places, is wanting to um, do interesting things for the size of city it is. So I feel, you know, people here talk about it being a, it's got a bit of a small town feel, but it's got the big city amenities. And I like that combination. Um, but when you take it in combination with the wider region, there's enough going on I don't do all of my work in this region. I work internationally also, but I, um, I think local knowledge is one of the value propositions I offer my clients because I do know this region and the ecosystem of agencies within it very well. So some of our best ideas come when we least expect them. Uh, with children, it's hard, but how do you disconnect, recharge, or get inspired in, your, in Guelph in your particular area? Mm-hmm. I think there are there are really interesting people doing some creative things together. So watching how groups of people collaborate and ideas they come up with is really helpful. I love the fact that my job involves a ton of variety. So I like learning from what's going on in one place and helping apply that in another context or being able to say, Hey, you know, I've seen this and this in another place. Would that apply to you? And so that's not so much personal recharging, but it's being able to almost cross pollinate amongst the various clients that I work with. Um, So I enjoy that part. I'm really involved in a variety of community things locally where I live. And so it's, we're in Guelph where we have lots of, um, at this time of year, especially lots of really great festivals. Uh, This weekend is art on the street and there's a great music festival called Hillside that comes up in July. We have great restaurants. I love living in a university town because the restaurant per capita ratio is very high. So we've got some great, uh, you know, great options that way. And I love the fact that I do have an opportunity to travel and I travel, as I mentioned, internationally and across Canada and have a chance to see what else is going on. And I don't, I mean, my work can't be my whole life. I'm involved in, in lots of other things, which also keeps it balanced. What are you most excited about in your business, but just in business these days? Is there something that's saying, oh, this is so good? I am excited I mean, I'm, I'm into collaborative planning. So I'm excited at that people who don't normally think collaboration is worth it are seeing its value uh, and seeing how necessary it is. I think for me personally, that's a great business opportunity, but I, I like the collaborative spirit that I'm seeing across a number of industries. I appreciate that. I appreciate the value that's being given to a blend of what's traditionally been known as hard and soft skills. I think the the whole trend toward um, whether it's emotional intelligence or psychological safety in teams, um, paying attention to how people treat one another and whether they are in a position to bring their best and whole selves to their job is exciting. I'm excited in my own work about helping people think about multiple metrics of success and not just economic ones, although I think those are important. Um, I think, you know, in private sector contexts, you hear about triple bottom line. I, I talk about it that way, but also about measuring what really matters to you and, and assessing success in those ways. 
So those would just be a few things that come to my mind at first. Well, is it possible to scale up and stay, stay a solopreneur versus, you know, growing a business in more traditional ways by hiring people, that kind of thing? That was a question that really plagued me a lot for the last maybe two to three years ago. I was really at a stage where I wanted to expand my reach and wasn't sure if I would hire people or get hired by a larger firm or what. And I came across a program out of Australia, actually. It's called Thought Leaders Business School. And their whole approach is to help solopreneurs like myself and like a lot of the people I work with, because that's another piece of my business is coaching solopreneurs. Mm -hmm. They help solopreneurs scale up while staying solopreneurial. And um, that was enormously encouraging to me that that was even possible and that they also came alongside people like me with a methodology to help us do that. And so for me, that has been enormously effective. My, my revenue has effectively quadrupled in the last 18 months since I've been attached to that program. And I can talk about why, but um, I think more importantly than those results has been just knowing that the possibility is there because I think there's lots of pathways to growth. I think there are lots of kinds of growth and lots of ways to get there. And it's linked with what I said earlier about what you deem as successful because for many of us, being curious and learning all the time is an important metric. And so growing deeper, not just growing broader could be an important skill. And earlier in my career, it was really important that my job allow me flexibility. That was my, one of my big criteria of success. Not necessarily a financial metric at that stage, but more of a, a time management one. Whereas now I'm, I'm more interested in issues of reach and return on investment in lots of different ways as I leverage what I now know at this stage of my career. So um, the quick answer to your question would be, yes, I think it is possible. And a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have known how, and now I do. Great. What's the greatest challenge you faced in your business today? Um, I think for me, it is a time question. And all of us have the same amount of time. So I'm not whining about not having enough time. It's not that. It's choosing how to invest that time in the right things to continue to grow the business in ways that are important to me because there are lots of demands on my time, lots of things I could say yes to. And I help people develop plans. And part of what I think strategic planning is for is to help you say no to things as much as to say yes. And that's in effect what I need to continue to keep at the forefront in my own business is how to be selective in a really wise way so that I'm spending my relatively finite attention and energy on the right things so that I can have the most benefit and so that those things can be leveraged the most. So um, I think that would be one thing. I think another thing would be the, um, it's a challenge. I, I don't see it negatively necessarily, but I think the context um, that we're in is uncertain in, a, in ways that, I mean, we're always in uncertain times. I'm not sure that piece is new, but I think the reasons and the manifestations of that uncertainty are very different than they used to be, particularly politically. And I see that with my clients a lot. So um, we're in a very unusual political context right now, geopolitical context globally, North American-wide, and certainly in Ontario where I live. That is creating some uncertainty and some challenges that we haven't seen quite this way probably since the early 90s. What do you know now that you wish you'd known when you started your business? I wish that I'd known that it was going to be a business and that I was going to be doing it 23 years later. I, I didn't know at the start that it, was, that it was going to become a thing, that it was going to become my thing by choice for the rest of my professional career. 
I wish I'd known that. I might have started it differently. <laughs> but it allowed me to hold it loosely, which was helpful. I didn't take myself too seriously at that stage. But I think what it did, I saw it, it changed my mindset. And I, it's taking me a while to revise that thinking. What I mean is, I saw it as a side hustle. That Even that language didn't exist back then. But I saw it as a kind of a, a nice to have thing on the side that maybe allowed us to travel as a family or allowed me to put my kids in soccer. And it was that, and I was coming out of a very privileged context to be able to say that, and I recognize that. But I think if I had thought of it more seriously and more as a business and thought of myself as an entrepreneur and business owner sooner, I would have done things like put my prices up sooner and been more focused in what I said yes to, because I said yes to anything that fit in my calendar initially that sounded interesting. And the focus came later. So alongside that, What's the best piece of advice you've received? I mean, you, you give advice, but what's the best piece you've received? I would say that I am, I guess, broadly, it's not one item of, of advice, but I'm experiencing now at this stage of my career, the benefit of having a really good coach. And I am learning a ton from that relationship. And so I so appreciate that because I coach people as part of what I do. But actually experiencing that has been transformative in my business. And so the advice that I both give and receive, I think, is to make sure that there is integrity in your business in the sense that it's really healthy for us to experience what it's like to be a client. So to be coached while I coach or to sit on a board while I coach boards or to teach stuff that I actually do has kept me really grounded in some deep way that I think if I only talked about it or only experienced that from one side of the equation, I would not have anywhere close to the depth of credibility that I can bring to my work now. How have you balanced your entrepreneurial life with parenting and now grandparenting, I understand? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the truth is my desk has moved into the hall in my house, and so clearly <laughs> not very well. But the, the, the deeper issue really is, again, back to those understandings of what success looks like, that kind of flexibility and balance was for me one of the biggest metrics of success in my business. So if I'm not balancing those things well, I am not successful in my business or in any other part of my life. I don't separate things. And so I think the full-on integration of all of that has actually been a strength for me. And for a while, it was all about my family. And then for a while, I got kind of away from that in the way I told my business story. But my, the reason I brought it up today even was that my business story, my business growth trajectory has really paralleled other parts of my life, how much time I had to give it, what I considered important around flexibility or accessibility, whether I was staying up to date on the new story for me. So for example, I needed to maintain flexibility for a long time when my kids were small and I guarded that probably too tightly for too long, even after they needed me to, um, because I was so used to having that kind of flexibility in my schedule, which I still love, but I don't need as much as I used to have used to. So there's lots of different ways. Okay. So now we're going to do some quick answers, some rapid fire questions for the next five to 10 minutes, just to kind of lead into the end of, end of the podcast. So if you weren't doing what you do for work now, what would you be doing instead? <laughs> okay. So for those of you Canadian listeners that know CBC radio, Anna Maria Tomonti is the host of a program uh, that, and her career ended today in that program. Today was her last day. 
And I have said for years that if I could pick any job in the world, I would want Anna Maria Tremonti's job on The Current at 9 a.m. on CBC Radio. So that's what I would want to do. That's good. I listen, I listen to it, actually, because she's one of my favorite people as well. What book are you currently reading and what books would you recommend to, to our mm. audience? Um, I have a big stack always on the go. The one I just finished is called New Power. And it's really got me thinking because it talks about old power and new power. Old power being expertise, being exclusivity, being things you upload or sorry, things you download from the internet kind of thing that some expert has written. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a currency almost that can be hoarded or, or kept. Whereas new power is like more like a river current and it's, it's things you, you share and it's the whole crowdsourcing and sharing economy and how do you get heard? How do you gain currency in a new power economy or a blend of those two things? So that's been a really interesting piece. I'm reading a bunch of stuff on, um, on collaboration at the moment and I'm really reading a really neat uh, memoir about a guy in a Canadian prison a long time ago. So that's another sort of, uh, I like nonfiction stuff as well outside of the business realm, but I'm always reading business books and that's another piece I love in my business is I read books so my clients don't have to and I'm like the human blink list on that one. I gotta read the new power one for sure. It's a good one. Yeah, what keeps you up at night? Um, I'm concerned, I mean, <laughs> Am I allowed to say the newborn that is currently living with me? That's actually the true answer to that question. Um, the, no, it's, um, I mean, I wonder about the, um, the factionalization, is that a word? Like the divisiveness in our culture. Uh, that I, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the swing away from collective values. Um, and uh, I'm concerned about just the, the, frankly, the political trends that are, are happening around us. And I'm not, I don't usually consider myself a particularly politically active person. I'm usually pretty informed, but I'm not usually losing sleep over that stuff. I'm, I am losing sleep over the kinds of trends I'm seeing right now in terms of what has been until recently seen as public good and publicly funded. That, well, if things are seen as public goods, they will be publicly funded. And I'm concerned about how many of those things are being moved back into private hands because I see um, high levels of inequity that come from that. What's your favorite place in the world uh, and why? I've had the privilege of traveling a lot. And so that's a really hard question, but I went to, I've been to Greece a couple of times and there were a couple of moments on a couple of Greek islands where the light and the clearness of the air just took my breath away. So those were the first ones that came to mind when you asked. What are the three non-negotiables that have to happen in your morning or evening routine. We find that pretty much everyone has a kind of routine either at the beginning of the day at the end or at the end. You know, you know what I'm saying? So. Mm -hmm. I'm a morning person, so I'm going to go for morning. One is that I have to get up early. I, I don't enjoy sleeping in. I feel like if I get up later, I've missed the best part of my day. And I really like connecting with my people in the morning. Um, and just making sure that all is well with that universe before I get into my personal business stuff. And um, I really appreciate having a couple of hours at my desk before most of my clients do. So I get some really good work done early before my phone starts ringing and uh, that sets the rest of the day up really well. So here's the one we love asking everyone. There's a beautiful tropical island in the middle of the ocean. There's only one phone booth and no internet. We drop you off there no technology, at any time you can use the phone booth to call a boat and we'll come and pick you up. 
How long would you last before making the phone call? And what would you do? Mm, good question. Kind of a fun one. It is fun. Um, I wouldn't last very long. It would be maybe weeks, definitely days, not hours, but not months. Being extroverted, it would, my batteries would run out uh, quicker than some, for sure. But what I would do in the meantime is uh, I would, do I get like paper and pen? Do I get things to write down? I would write if I had things to write on. I would write, I would draw, I would sing, I would reflect, you know, those kinds of things. I, uh, and I, if it was a big enough island, I would probably walk and explore a lot. But yeah, it would, it would not, it wouldn't, uh, it would be delightful and I would welcome it, but I would probably get tired of it uh, quicker than I care to admit. <laughs> okay, that's really good. So we're coming to the end. Just how can our listeners get hold of you? And you want to add anything before call of the day? Thanks for that. People can get in touch in a few different ways depending on what they're interested in. We talked about books earlier. So if you like to read, you can find a book that I've written. It's called Nimble, off script, but still on track. And it's available on any Amazon affiliate. And it's a, it's a facilitation guide for how to run meetings when things go differently than you expect, which is pretty much all the time. If you're interested in reading blogs, I write a blog called Wiser Decisions Faster every two weeks at RebeccaSouthern's.com. And I'm active on social media, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Rebecca Southerns. Well, you know, Rebecca, thanks for coming on to the show. It's been, been great and uh, some really good input. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, Philip. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at CanadasPodcast.com, where you can listen, discover, and engage. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'll see you next time.